0: Hey guys, uh, welcome to the Shores of Ignorance. We're uh, kind of starting something kind of new to talk with you guys beforehand. Uh, we really would love to uh, uh, kind of be a more a part of you guys' life and uh, get some uh, comments and, yeah, I already brought chaos, so <laughs> we can start over again. We're not
1: good at this. Um, yeah, we just really, first of all, want to say thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Um, this has been, you know, If you, if you ever listen to the end, we say this often, but this is something we really love to do, um, and really enjoy doing it. And that's why we do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but we really want to be the best we can at it. And we want this podcast to be the best that it can be. And we would like to hear from you. We want to know what you think. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, and we'd love it if you just share, like if you, if you have a thought, share it with us. If you like an episode, share it with a friend, post it to your social media, um, it would help us out a lot and
0: I think improve the quality of what we do. Yeah. And best way to get a hold of us is on Instagram, is kind of our main area. So you can DM 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 us a slide uh, into the DMs. Slide into the DMs and uh, leave a comment or if you want to just publicly ask us a question on the on a post or not. So Yeah, tag us, um, give us a follow. Mm-hmm.
1: Um but Love all you guys. Thanks so much for all your support. And yeah, we got a lot of fun things coming up this
0: year, so uh, we're super excited. Definitely. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay, PSA over. On to the episode. Onto the episode.
1: It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you, Whatever you grab, grab just turns to, just turns to dust. dust. Like eye contact with strangers to It's a dream that you to be able Passing pass and you know the ship in sea, if you saw saw, it. saw it. We're on. We're on. Cheers.
0: Welcome to the shores.
1: Welcome to the shores. Yeah. That feels more natural. It does. Maybe that was the problem with the intro is we didn't cheers. We and, didn't. You know, it screws everything up. We didn't come into heart-centeredness, <laughs> whiskey-centeredness.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. <clears throat> Episode 85. 85. I love this shit. You jump right in? <laughs> Let's jump right in. Jump right in. Let me give an introduction here. Yeah, you do that. All right. So... So Matt and I have been, uh, well, like every week we text back and forth, share articles, share podcasts, uh, we're two dorky kids. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So Matt, Matt came across, uh, 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 our mayor Adler's, uh, post and shared it with me. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. That sounds really, really bad. And then I read the article and then Matt was sharing with me his thoughts and I was just like, like, I I didn't understand what he was talking about until I read the article. And so Matt kind of, uh, crafted a, a response to it. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. we can kind of maybe start with, <clears throat> with what that. Adler said and, yeah. and then how you kind of responded. Yeah. So for those of
1: you who don't live in Texas, uh, or Austin, maybe we are, we live in Austin and Austin is a blue state and sorry, blue city and a red state. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of got this feud going on between our mayor Adler and our governor abbott Mm -hmm. um and you know in in the community more at large so you may have heard that in a couple states texas and florida um but here in texas governor abbott outlawed for instance mask mandates in schools and government buildings and then a bunch of the blue cities just went ahead and did it anyway and there's lawsuits going on and litigations and it's kind of a, a big mess but um that's kind of the setting for this so adler tweets this out he says um he he sends a link to an article and then says in his tweet in the last week 817 cases of covid have been identified in travis county schools there are 15 children in our trauma service area hospitalized with covid sadly one child this has died this past weekend the child had been on a ventilator for a month and, you know, I'm kind of used to um, seeing things framed in a way like knowing things are framed in a way from certain people to support a certain narrative. But I got to the end of that tweet and I thought, OK, he started the tweet talking about COVID's effect on schools, which is a big issue right now is being talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. But he ended the tweet with that the child who had died had been on a ventilator for a month. And that was the first part where my mind went. Okay. School wasn't in session a month ago. So what does this have to do? And then I read the tweet a couple more times and I thought there's a bunch of terms in here that aren't really well defined, such as trauma service area and Travis County schools. I don't think most people know what those mean. We think we know maybe what they mean, Mm -hmm. or we read the intent of, you know, you, you read that tweet and you think shit, shit's bad. Um, and a child has died. This is horrible. Mm hmm. And that is horrible. Um, But I I went and read the article. And after reading the article, I had a completely different takeaway from what this news was. Um, And and the takeaway, the main takeaway was that the whole point of the article was that this child had died. And it is the first child COVID-19 death in Travis County, Mm -hmm. meaning the first period. Yeah, no one under eighteen has died <clears throat> until I think yesterday, hmm. and that's kind of staggering. Yeah, um, like you know, we've I think we're all familiar with the idea that you know COVID doesn't seem to affect children, but we don't really talk about we don't really talk about what that means or the extent of, the, of what that means. And I thought, well, that's the story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that no one has died, and that now someone has. It makes the death even more. Tragic, um, And so then I started going back through his previous points. So 817 cases of COVID in Travis County. Okay, well, what is Travis County? Oh, there's seven school districts in Travis County. And how many schools are in these school districts? And there's 215 schools. And that starts making that number sound a lot different. 817 cases in 215 schools. And, and then I looked up what the... When he said there are 15 children in our trauma service area hospitalized, and you think you you hear the first number and you're thinking about your school and maybe the surrounding, and that sounds like a lot of cases, and now there's 15 kids hospitalized, that sounds like a lot, and and someone's died. This Mm is urgent. Well, the trauma service area is the 11 surrounding counties, and that's a lot of counties. And so I thought, well, what is it that we're trying? He's trying to say. He's obviously trying to say it's bad. Um, and there's a larger narrative kind of at play here, which is that Abbott is, you know, is uh, trying to kill your kids. And you see a lot of people respond <clears throat> this way to, to tweets from Adler. You know, yeah. Basically, thanks for protecting us when Abbott doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's kind of playing into that in that narrative a little bit. Um and so my initial response when I sent it to you, I was like, I feel like this is really misleading. Yeah. It's leading me somewhere on purpose rather than telling me what's happening and being clear. Mm -hmm. And so I, I told you, I was like, I feel like I want to respond to this and I don't know how. And you were nice enough to sort of workshop the the response through, through text. And Uh it took me about an hour to come to uh, something that I was brave enough to send in response because I was sure that I was going to get hate or something and <laughs> sadly no one responded. <laughs> <laughs> At um, least hate me. <laughs> yeah, so, so what I said was um, in response to him, the framing of these numbers and the rhetorical progression from smaller to larger demographics and time frames can only be intended to uphold a narrative of fear. I can report the same data this way. In the last week, our 215 schools in Travis County have identified 817 cases of COVID, an average of about 3.8 per school. In the 11 counties that our trauma service area serves, there are currently 15 children hospitalized, about 1.36 per county. Today, our record of zero COVID deaths deaths under the age of 18 has come to an end. Tragically, Travis County reports its first COVID-19 child death after a month on a ventilator in a battle with previous health conditions. And I think that sounds a lot different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same information. Um, my intent was to try to present that information with all of the information that I, that was seemed important from the article.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's, you know, I don't know how you'll read that or how you hear that, but I think it brings up something that we wanted to talk about, which is, you know, we talk a lot about narrative and how important and necessary it is. Um, but there are all these narratives spinning around at play. And if you don't take the time to go look at the underlying context and the underlying definitions, I think one of the important points was that what I called the rhetorical progression from smaller to larger demographics and timeframes. So you start with Travis County schools with a case number, and then you move to the trauma service area, which is much larger than Travis County. And then you move to first COVID death. And this expands us into a much larger time frame. And, mm-hmm. so in, in, you know, similarly, you go from the time frame of cases in the last week to current hospitalizations, then to the time frame of March 2020 to now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's really difficult for human brains to move back and forth between those sorts of, of um, number framings.
0: Yeah, it's similar to at the beginning of the summer, whenever uh, when the vaccine push was really really heavy it was was you were i, I kept seeing this 99 percent of all COVID infections are unvaccinated and so i went when i dug further into it i was just like oh since the start of the pandemic <laughs> it was just so misleading it yeah, drove that right. drove me absolutely bonkers because i was like wow that's really good like like the vaccine is having that much of an impact that's awesome like Fantastic, You know, but it's like 99, that sounds really weird to me. Yeah. And then I had to go dig and obviously, you know, it's dig. So it's mm-hmm. like, I saw, I was like, Oh, you're counting all COVID cases from the time of the pandemic up till now. Right. And then including the vac, uh, uh, the vaccinated. I mean, it
1: really feels like you, you we should all go take like a statistics one oh one class. Yeah to understand how numbers are used and data sets are analyzed and how mm-hmm. you can pull tricks like that because nobody's going to question. They think 99%. That sounds great. Yeah. You know, and that, and especially if you are coming from a, from a pro vaccine standpoint, mm-hmm. your confirmation bias is going to go. That's ex- exactly what we were looking for, you mm-hmm. know, and you don't, you're not incentivized to go look actually you're de-incentivized by your confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. um, But I wanna tie all of this in to something that seems alarming. And I think, I think one of the reasons that text or uh, that tweet from Adler was alarming to me is because it wasn't just a tweet about COVID. It was specifically about COVID in schools mm-hmm. and children. And I am feeling somewhat <clears throat> alarmed by a number of what I'm thinking of as inversions in our, in our culture right now. And there is an incentive I think within a certain narrative to make schools seem as dangerous as possible, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe if you can push back on me uh, on that, then do Yeah, That's how it feels to me. You know, when I see him tweet those numbers with, with very little context, I see an incentive to make it seem like it's really bad. And that's not to say that those numbers aren't bad. Mm-hmm. They're just not as bad as he, as he made them out to be. Yeah. Um, so why, I ask myself, why? Like, why are you doing that? And I think maybe the sort of simple answer is, well, there's sort of always a necessary political battle going on with our politicians, and he's got to pit himself against Abbott. But there's something much broader happening. And I see it sort of every day when I drop my children off at school. I see... I see young, very young children, you know, first, second, third grade getting out of cars. They're nervous. You know, we just started the school year and there's this very, like I've experienced this every year since my kids have been in public school, especially in the elementary school line. You're in the car line, the drop off line and the line's moving and all of a sudden it stops, you know. And you're kind of watching the car, and it's like the door doesn't open, and the door doesn't open, and the door doesn't open, and then the teacher comes up, and it's kind of looking in, and then all of a sudden the the parking brake comes on, and the de- parent gets out and walks around and opens the door, and the kid doesn't want to get out, the kid's nervous, you know, and this happens in normal years, it's completely natural, yeah, you know, it's like we're shoving our children into, well, into the unknown, mm-hmm. to people they don't know, they don't trust yet, yeah and all they know is their parents and their family and you know it's hard and so that that elementary school drop off line the first couple of weeks of school is it's brutal mm-hmm. um, you know and then this year especially um you know I think I noticed it less last year but this year I'm noticing that same thing happen but there's this added there's this added stress that I see in my own kids as they're getting out of the car and they're a little bit older You know, it's like we get there, it's time. Okay, they're freaking out. Where's their mask? Is it on properly? They're looking around trying to figure out, you know, am I being seen properly? Am I doing the right thing? And I'm I'm just struck by what we're signaling to our children. Because in the normal years, you know, the kid that's having a hard time getting out of the car, we're all encouraging the kid. Hey, it's safe here. You can trust us. You can say bye to dad and he'll be back or mom and she'll be back. Mm-hmm. And it feels to me like what we're doing now is we're signaling the exact opposite. We're saying this isn't a safe place. You can't trust us mm-hmm. to not be sick. That's why we have these masks on. Cause we care about you. Um, and you can't trust yourself to not be sick. That's why you need to wear a mask. Um, you know, and on top of that, you need to stay away from your friends and we've turned off the water fountains because who knows the logic there? I don't have never understood that one. Um, and it, it's, it's we're signaling to our children to be afraid, and I it breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. But the inversion is that we're not doing this anywhere else in society. You know, none of us are behaving this way. We are very strict with our rules in schools, but in society, we're not. So why are we being so strict in the schools?
0: Well, I think some would argue is that that's actually a failure, you know, and that, that's in the society. The, in the society, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the, that the schools are actually doing a good thing for doing those things. Yeah, and I suppose some would say they would,
1: you know, the, the government should do that to the rest of society. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's still an inversion. And Regardless of that point, though, yeah. the inversion is that children are at almost no risk mm-hmm. of COVID. Catching it, transmitting it, getting sick, dying. Statistically, it's like, it's way less risk than anything else we expose them to. I mean, they're more likely to die in the car on the way to school than they are to ever die of COVID. It's one of the sort of miracle blessings of the pandemic is it's not affecting our children. Which,
0: on that note, I mean, I, I mean, I, again, we're not saying anything that's not superbly <laughs> uh, recorded, and uh, you know, the data says that just undeniably. I mean, it's not something that you can argue about. I think the argument against that is that. That they will pick it up at school and then transmit it to grandma or their <clears> parents or their, you know, someone who is immune compromised. And so. Right. So it's like.
1: I also don't again, think there's any there's a, evidence
0: th- of that really happening. Well, again, it's the inversion, too. It's like, you know. You know, the value of. Um, the 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 older's the elder people are, are higher than the younger people. Mm -hmm. And that's like never been that way in society ever in time immemorial. You know, it's like you always value the youth and what's best for them, you know? Um, and I, again, it's like precautions, whatever. That's that's one thing, but it's more of the overall thinking, you know, it's like, you know, I, I just even think of like, you know, uh, uh, you know, my, my dad died from COVID this summer and he was vaccinated and all that stuff. Um, But I mean, he would have said like, yeah, no, kids need to go and do their thing. Don't worry about me. Right. You're the ones who need to live your life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I will make the, whatever I need to do as an elder to take care of myself. You know, it's like, but so I I grew up with that mentality too. It's like, no, it's like, it's like you, you, you let the kids like grow and flourish. You know, it's like, and the older people need to be the more responsible ones, you know? Mm -hmm. And it does feel like, you know, we're we're putting a lot on our kids, that is probably not. Um, I don't know. I no, I, it's, it's things we're not going to understand for another two to five, three, ten years. You know, yeah. Um, what this is the impact of this on their schooling? Uh, I mean, again, even what they're doing in school, like, I don't even think the teachers are requiring as much because there's so much social things that they're trying to manage, you know, you know, masks, distancing, you know, it's like, it's not even about learning anymore. It's all about, we're going to be here right now. We're going to follow some rules. Right. We might learn something. Yeah. (laughs) You know,
1: that might be anecdotal. There's a, there's an elementary school. Um, I take a walk almost every day and there's an elementary school that I walk by in my neighborhood and, um, I usually walk around lunch and, out, they have the students, you know, elementary school age students sitting outside on picnic tables and each student has their own individual partition. It looks like a science fair trifold cardboard thing, mm-hmm. up, you know, and there's probably 60 of them out there in these partitions. And I think there is no logical explanation for this behavior. The children are outside, first of all. Um, Second of all, the partition isn't actually separating the students. It's sitting in front of them. And I think, okay, you know, maybe, maybe that's helpful. Mm -hmm. But definitely it's harmful. Like, it's clear. When I see the students and I see their faces, they're kind of looking around like, what are we doing? Are we safe? Are we not safe? We don't know. And so it feels like this madness you know our children aren't at risk and we are we are shoving this sort of almost performative <clears throat> this performative behavior and requiring them to do it and then we pick them up from school and we go out to eat and we're not doing it and there's a cognitive dissonance there that i know that our children are feeling but i don't know you know depending on their age that they can articulate that mm-hmm. so it's just going to be stress in them. And that is, it's, it's just appalling to me.
0: Well, I mean, it does kind of go with a more, um, general performative aspect that we are performing in society. It's like, you know, depending on where you live and, and what demographic you're part of, as far as, you know, you know, pick one. And, and it's like, there's a certain, there's a certain uh, ceremony that you have to go to to signal that you belong you know whether you're a republican or a democrat or you know uh you know super covid conscious or you know not very covid conscious or however you want to state that you know it's like um and the mask have been been that also it's sort of like you know oh that person's outside without a mask oh that person's outside with a mask well they're yeah. a lot more serious you know right. And there's all these sort of performative things that we've kind of come into or, you know, how you display has a certain thing that you're signaling to everybody else. And again, that's another thing that just goes against my, my upbringing is this sort of like, you know, it's like the content of your character, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter what t-shirt you wear. It doesn't matter what kind of, you know, thing you profess, you know, it's like, what do you do? What's your what's mm-hmm. your actions? Mm-hmm. You know what's what's the content of your character, and it seems like we're, we're we've so much gone are going to more of this sort of what's on the outside is what's most important, mm. not what's on the inside, mm. and I think we've kind of COVID we're we're taking this into the COVID world too, you know, because um, you know we we always get frustrated with this like it's about the science, you know, it's like right. Well, what is that? I don't even know what you mean anymore. When people say the science, it basically just means like whatever I just said is right. (laughs) It's just a, it's just a hammer that's used to hit people over the head and get them to shut up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like vaccines work. It's science. It's like, well, okay, no vaccines do work, but there's a lot more to that than just saying that vaccines work. Yeah. How effective are they? How long are they effective? Are they good for everyone? Is it good for someone who's had COVID and now, uh, should they get a vaccine or not get a vaccine? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, there's a lot of questions around this. It's just not as simple as vaccines work. Well, it's like, well, historically vaccines have done a lot of good. And there's also been some vaccines that have not done so good, you know? Right. So <clears throat> it's just, it's just really frustrating to, to get that sort of like one dimensional, you know, this is the truth. Don't disagree with me. And you must believe all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even like our conversation right now, it's like, it's like, you know, we, 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 uh, we completely see, and you know, or not completely see, we understand there's a lot of things that we don't know. And there's things that we're going to do until we more information presents itself, you know?
1: Right. Well, that's been such an interesting feature of the whole <clears throat> pandemic is, you know, I think at the beginning we knew, we knew so little. Mm-hmm. So it was like, well, we don't really know. We don't know how it spreads. You know, you remember yeah. at the beginning we would go get groceries and like wipe them down with Bysol. Like we didn't know yeah. how it was spreading. And mm-hmm. you know, so we were taking all kinds <clears throat> of precautions and it seems to me like, you know, a couple things we've given up on like, you know, wiping down our groceries. But for the most part, we haven't really taken new information and, and recalculated a cost risk uh, ratio. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, And when I see, when I see our schools being stricter this year than last year. Yeah. And I wonder why that is, you know, maybe your, your point earlier is a good one, which is that there's a lot of people who would, who would think that this is the way it should be in larger society, which actually makes it seem even more sinister to me because the reason it's not this way in larger society is because there are plenty of adults in larger society who have the, um, character gumption, uh, Fortitude to say, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. I disagree. Mm-hmm. I don't want to behave that way. But children, they don't have the articulation. They don't have the gumption. They don't have the fortitude. They're children, you know? Um, and so it seems almost more sinister that we would look at the school and be like, well, this is a place we can cram down all of the rules that we wish the, the society would obey. Mm-hmm. Because children can't really fight back. They can't really stand up and say no. For one thing, you know, it's hard for a child to do that. For another thing, it's not allowed. You know, your your kid can't go to school and just be like, I'm not going to, you know, obey the rules of uh, whatever the school rules are. Mm. Like, I'm just not going to go to class. I'm going to skip out and, you know, whatever. Um, It's not allowed. There's consequences.
0: Well, it even gets into, like, the whole industrial age. Uh, in schooling and, and you know, Oh shoot. No, how, how do you say it? Like, um, like there's a sort of like conformity that was um, built into school systems as far as like producing workers that could, you know, follow rules and, and get a good job and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just doesn't work today. Like there's not, we don't have like, there's not as many factory jobs. There's not as many, you know, it's like following the rules is actually, you know, you, you have to be able to adapt and, and move and pivot so quickly now, but we still have these like antiquated sort of, you know, sit in rows, repeat after me, right? do your homework. It's, it, it's just not reflective of <laughs> like our current, yeah, like our current. Road. Well,
1: and that makes me wonder if another feature or another reason that we're, we're so strict about this in school, cause it's like the old rules, right? Um, that you just mentioned, you know, walk in the straight line and, you know, sit still in your desk. And Mm -hmm. now we've added, wear your mask and space yourself six feet apart. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my daughter told me they, well, actually I think at both of my daughter's schools, they, they have to eat lunch outside. I picked one of them up, which is so funny because that's sort of like an admission that being outside is safer. And yet, you know, this other elementary school is still doing partitions and all of this. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but they have to eat at lunch outside. And I picked one of my daughters up the other day and she said, I didn't get to finish my lunch. And I said, why? And she said, it started raining. And I was like, Oh, they didn't move you inside to finish lunch. She said, no, they just said, we can't eat. We got to go back inside and put our masks on. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And outside she said, they've, they've marked dots on the ground that are like 10 feet apart and everybody has to sit on a dot. And she's like, nobody can talk because we're too far away.
0: Are you serious? 10 feet apart outside. Mm -hmm.
1: So, you know, back to this idea of like, whatever it is that we're accomplishing, it seems, it seems to me that we're accomplishing more negative than we are positive when it comes to our children and the the COVID risk that they that we know that they well they don't really have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we're adding all of these new rules, and so if if your claim, which is that the old rules that benefited us in the industrial revolution or benefited school. Uh, schooling in the industrial revolution. You know, can you show up on time? Can you follow instructions? Can you sit still? Can you, you know, accomplish a repetitive task? Um, If those aren't serving us anymore and now we're adding on all these other rules, then what is it that we're preparing our children for? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like, is there some feature almost unconscious in our, in our culture that is preparing our children for something,
0: and is that good? Yeah. Well, I mean, does, let me just kind of give the. Other, there's a certain amount of, uh and again, I'm, this is this is the general, generous view of this. Is there's a certain amount of indoctrination that you know happens in public school that is he- healthy and useful. You know, it's like, uh you know, I would say, and this is becoming less and less the case, is you know, the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, hey you're a part of this United States and this United States can of 50 other States and some, whatever you call it, not provinces, but, uh, sub- subsidiaries, <laughs> uh, what do you call it? What is Puerto Rico? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. Whatever that is. Um, you know, and then like in Texas, we say that, you know, the pledge of allegiance to the Texas flag. So there's certain like, there's a certain orienting yourself in the, in the, in the, bigger narrative of the united states and then to you know texas you know um so there's certain there's certain parts of that and one you know some indoctrination as far as like how you treat people you know be kind considerate you know uh and also respecting your your teachers and authority and stuff like that there's some there are some good things um that we do you know parents do also in these same areas you know um but some kids don't have Parents to, to to teach them those those types of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it's like are not around or have to work a lot or are just absent in general, you know. Um, so it's like, so there is a certain amount of indoctrination that does happen that is good and healthy for schools. But I feel like there's sometimes like, where do we, where is that, where is that no longer beneficial, you know, as far as, uh, and this is something just early in my my looking at this and been listening to a few podcasts about. Um, the difference between industrial revolution and information revolution it's like mm-hmm. it's like a lot of our systems are still stuck in the industrial revolution and how we set things up in order to for the best people with the best sort of like integrate into that culture of mm-hmm. you know factories and uh, uh, business and like you know you go to work nine to five and kind of like that kind of stuff and And but with our information age, it's like things are changing so fast and so different that um, like we I don't think what a lot of people are talking about are like like we're no longer teaching kids to be successful in this present information age, you know. Hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of, battle. Like I kind of took us off the, the COVID. <laughs> I was trying thing. to figure out what to grab onto. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, I, I kind of took us off the COVID thing just because like, it's, I, I feel like kind of where we are as a, in a, as a society, it's like, it's like, we're just in general, always deeply unnerved by the unknown. And COVID has been a huge unknown, not, not just like locally, but internationally, mm-hmm. Right. So many unknowns and we're all grappling with it. So uh, some things are very understandable in that you try to grab onto something that makes you feel like you have a handle on the situation around you. you Right. Right. Well, and it seems like there are many
1: who at this point don't want to know. I don't, I don't really want to know. What's exhausting. Well, it's exhausting and it, You, it might make a case to give up on something which has made you feel safe all this time. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even make a case that you didn't need to be doing what was making you safe all this time. It wasn't actually making you safe. Mm. And, you know, I'm not making that claim, but the, the potential of that is devastating to a worldview and to a narrative. And so you can be sort of self-incentivized to not accept new information if it's going to change too much um you know which is maybe one of the reasons why you know you as the mayor would tweet tragically a child has died and not point out that this was the first one Mm -hmm. because what would that damage it would damage something um You know, and I, you know, but we—you were making this point, I think, on the last episode that there is something about leadership which needs to say, "Here's what we know, and here's what we don't know, and here's mm-hmm. the criteria, and so here's what we're going to do given those two things, and here's the criteria by which we will change." Mm-hmm. And not only do we not really have that with COVID in general, I it's back to this idea of inversion. I, I see the most stress on the faces of the children in school, who are the least vulnerable to COVID Mm -hmm. and we are giving them no criteria with which this changes and they're resilient and they, and they are much more resilient and adaptive than we are. And so they just, they get used to it and they go along with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad for them for that. Yeah. Um, you know, but I feel like we owe it to them to say, we are asking you to sacrifice something huge, you know, especially like I think about my middle school age daughter, Mm -hmm. you know, middle school is a time when you learn a tremendous amount about, what it means to be socialized yeah what and it also means boys and girls boys I mean, and girls puberty. crushes mm-hmm. you learn about malevolence There, you know bullying you learn mm-hmm. about crushes and love you learn about the betrayal of a friendship you learn about so many things mm-hmm. and, and and we're saying to our children we're going to ask you to sacrifice all of that and not to ever see anyone's face and not to stand close to them And not to say, and here's when we're going to stop. Mm-hmm. Here's the criteria by which we stop. And so I think that that is a tragedy of a magnitude that we probably won't know for a long time. Partly because I think the narrative doesn't really want to look at any new data. Um, to, you know, to my earlier point, it would be really destructive, mm-hmm. even if it was right. And well, even if it was good. I mean,
0: I just, uh, like, I think you and I kind of see this as, and tell me if I'm wrong, like we're starting to see a trend towards, uh, we talked about this in the last pandemic the last pandemic, <laughs> the last episode <laughs> is like, we're, 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 we're shifting the narrative right now from pandemic to endemic, but that doesn't happen overnight. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, uh, I think there's a lot of things out in the water. I mean, I think Texas and Florida are kind of examples of that. They're kind of like, they kind of stepped out and did some things and numbers were going up, you know, and, but seven day average right now has, has gone down like Mm -hmm. I I think by a hundred or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really, uh, hospitalizations. Um, and, and so like, it's like it, it's it seems like we're starting to see a trend as this virus mutates that there's a there's a certain time as it mutates and we see a rise in cases and then as, as enough people have kind of gotten it you know it's like mm-hmm. in this case vaccinated and unvaccinated uh, you start to see it kind of wane a little bit and it seems like you know it depends like with school right now um, you know that we might I think it might kind of hold on a little bit longer but it's like so I so I, I think society is always society at large is always always behind you know um and that's the hard thing with uh when you're steering such a big ship you know it's like in order to make that make course corrections it takes a lot longer for that big ship to actually to move in a direction you know it's like where well, if it's a speedboat you can make a lot more quicker corrections and and You know, oh, that was wrong. Oh, this was good. Okay, you know, you can, you can bounce back and forth. So I I think as a nation, we are seeing, we're seeing that sort of. I think that course correction as we're learning more and more information.
1: Well, maybe, and I hope so. Mm -hmm. But I do want to. I've kind of been looking for an opportunity to to transition a bit using this word inversion because Mm -hmm. there is a feature of all of this, which to me is not COVID specific. Yep. It's, it's a part of a larger trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping we might be able to kind of follow it and make some sense of it. But, you know, if we are inverting the prevention policies relative to the risk profile, mm-hmm. so s- children in schools. So we are putting the least vulnerable under the most strict rules. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also another inversion that has
0: happened as a real, a result of the, the pandemic, which is that, wait, maybe go for that. Cause yeah. like, like, um, so most deaths and hospitalizations are over the age of 60. Mm-hmm. And as you get from 60 down to 18, it really drastically, drastically changes.
1: Yeah. I actually saw a stat, uh, over the last couple of days, which was, mm-hmm. was, uh, Really incredible, which is that um, basically anybody under 18 is less at risk of hospitalization and death than you or I around the age of 40 are Mm -hmm. vaccinated. Mm -hmm. You and I are at more risk of hospitalization and death vaccinated than anyone under 18 not vaccinated. Mm -hmm. That's how little risk they're in. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So if we've inverted that, There's something else that we've done more broadly in the pandemic, which is that we have now decided to treat everyone as if they are sick until proven otherwise. Hmm. So, you know, there was a moment at the beginning of maybe of the year where people sort of felt like, well, they got the vaccine and I'm safe now and Hmm. go live my life. And that's obviously changed. Um, We're not really making distinctions between vaccinated and unvaccinated as far as um, social policies go anymore. Mm We're definitely making the distinction, you know, in other ways. But, um, you know, society hasn't operated this way, to my knowledge, before. Treating everyone as if they're sick. And maybe you could say, well, this is the first pandemic any of us have ever lived through, and yeah. that'll pass. Okay. But it still seems jarring. And so maybe back to your point, you know, the, the ship will course correct. Mm-hmm. But I think, well, this isn't the only place I've seen it. Um, something else we've done over the last year and a half is we have um, We have decided that, in terms of crime, people are guilty or sorry guilt yes, guilty until proven innocent and this has been a more subtle one, um, and it's happening more in terms of high profile cases, and I would say it's actually more of people are either guilty or innocent depending on what we think until proven otherwise, mm-hmm. and even when proven otherwise, we still disagree <clears throat> um, <clears throat> so it's an inversion of a principle, which was a miracle of a principle in the first place, which was that everyone is innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of an astounding agreement for a society to make. Yeah. And I think it goes back to, we've quoted this before, I can't remember now who it was, that said, <clears throat> it is better that um, a thousand guilty men go free than one innocent man be wrongly convicted. hmm and that's a tough that's a tough one to swallow, but I think it has it has been one of the miracles of the West in general, that you are innocent until proven guilty. And we've kind of thrown that out the window. Um, and I see it a little bit more vaguely, this idea of inversion in in other places, just propping up all the time. And I wonder what is this? Like what is it about our our current zeitgeist or the ideas that have a hold of us that is
0: causing this. Was well, the same idea of like even, you know, I was always taught as like you believe the best about somebody until they show you otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like you give you give somebody their that that um benefit of the doubt, you know, it's like
1: well that's the other <clears throat> one too. It was it used to be mm-hmm. managed judged by the content of their character and it was something we we strived toward and fought mm-hmm. really hard for. That's out the window. Yeah. We don't do that
0: anymore. Mm-hmm. You're judged by the color of your skin. Yeah color your skin or by what you present or politics maybe t-shirt you wear or whatever it might be and it's like um but again i think that's a that's a huge that's something that is yeah has been fought for in the united states specifically like you know you know no hold back your judgment you know extend grace you know hey i'm gonna expect the best of you unless until you prove otherwise you know yeah And then you kind of get into some game theory type stuff there too, (laughs) you know, tit for tat type stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, that, I see that as another inversion, you know, it's like, you know, you have to prove to me that you are this before I can determine whether you're a good person or not. You know, it's like, yeah.
1: So, so why is this common theme of inversion, a, a a particularly
0: common feature of our culture? why why that well I, I think of Game of Thrones I think of like self-righteousness you know sort of like you know uh, uh, when everybody has to sort of uh, adhere to uh, that priest uh, now I forget the details of it but like uh, do you remember that part where the, the high priest the high priest yeah. and like everybody had to kind of like basically uh, show their allegiance mm-hmm. to this sort of way of thinking and if you didn't then you are damned you know and you do see that kind of thing happening now I mean you know between whether it be political parties or even races or whatever it is it's like you know you have to adhere to certain ideas or you are considered evil or racist or bigoted or whatever it might be it's like no matter how nuanced or conversation that Is a little bit more complex, you know. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. Like that's what I love about T.S. Eliot. Like he talks about a lot of these things. Like that's something that as you get older, that you have to really be able to wrestle with is the complexities of life. Life is not simple. You know, as a child, we we make we make life simple for our kids for the most part. And as they get older, life we kind of introduce them to the complexity, or we should, as good parents, you know. By the time that they leave the house that they have an understanding of the complexity of the world and that it's not, it's not as easy as black and white or wearing a t-shirt or it's a lot more, there's a lot more depth to it than that. Hmm. And there's almost like this inversion of adults to children. <laughs> oh, that's another really good one. <laughs> yeah, that, that just yeah. Got hit me yeah. 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 It's, it's like the children are the adults and the adults are children. You know, it's like you see that in certain relationships where like, wait a minute, is the kids taking care of the mom or dad, or is a dad mom taking care of the kids, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, but even in a broader societal way, you see it. I mean, we, adults can be triggered. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know? And they need to be sort of coddled. Yeah. And not offended. It's like, what was that recently? Uh, Uh, a medical professor, I think in, in some Ivy league school, like apologized for (laughs) referring to pregnant women. And his his class was really upset about it. And he apologized and said, I, the worst thing that I could ever do is cause offense. Hmm. And it's just something really perverse about that. And then on the other side of it, you know, we are, is very culturally popular to make the case that children should be able to define everything about their lives Mm. from the way they dress to their gender and they know and they should be trusted and you know allowed to undergo hormone treatment for gender transition without their parents consent Mm. so we're putting a lot of responsibility on our children and refusing any responsibility to the adults. Mm-hmm. That isn't, that is another inversion. That's a, that's a much, it's a much harder one to talk about. It is. Yeah. Um, but I suspect that anyone listening who, you know, isn't already screaming that I'm some sort of transphobe. <laughs> yeah. Can see that.
0: Mm-hmm. And, f- and feel it. Well, you just see it in a lot of things. I mean, like, you know, well, there's just so much health and like, you know, role play as kids, you know, it's like, and it's like, you know, whether it be at a robot or, you know, I'll play the dad this time, you play the mom, you know, or I'll be the sister, you be the brother. And Wait, did yeah. you say something about a robot? Yeah. Like, a, you know, it's I'll like, be the robot. you uh, be the, I'll be a robot. You know, it's like, it's like I'm a toad. You, you know? were the Roomba <laughs> last time I want to be the Roomba. I want to be the Roomba. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like that's that's natural to, to right. kids play and stuff, and, and I think it's just really hard because, you know, I mean, it, I, I just don't think people remember being kids anymore. You know, it's like until you hit puberty, it's like you don't know m- much, and then when you hit puberty, it just all fucking goes crazy. You know, yeah, it's like have we forgotten that? Have we forgotten that? I don't, I don't, I don't understand.
1: Oh, I would be tempted to say no, we haven't forgotten. We just remember. And we remember how hard it was. Mm -hmm. And then there's some, there's some temptation to be like, Oh, but it was so hard because society was so regressive and depressive. Uh, Yeah. And it wouldn't have been that hard, you know, if we had been in a more progressive society. Hmm. And I think that that's, 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 uh,
0: well, I think that's foolish. Well, there's, there's probably, there's elements of that, that is true. Though. Sure. You know, no, definitely. Like, yeah. I think there's, I think there's a lot of areas that we've kind of grown in, in that space, you know, as far as like, um, yeah, but you, you just, you don't get out of yeah it being hard to grow up. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. It's like, you don't get out of like, uh are bullies or are so your best friend stabs you in the back or Mm -hmm. you know there's like that's just life. that isn't just that's just not like that's your first experience of that but as you get older it's like breakups you know it's like a person is not who you thought they were you Mm -hmm. know it's like you're not who you thought you you thought you were yeah totally and it's like those are things like it's like obviously there's a certain amount of like protection but there's also a certain part we need to allow our kids to experience those things because if we send them out into the world not having experienced them in the time frame that they're most resilient you know uh it's a scary it's a scary thing it's like I mean, they, that's, a, that's a really good point mm-hmm.
1: it's uh, <laughs> children are resilient we know this
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it it's almost like you want to expose them to the greatest amount of stress you can because they're the least vulnerable to breaking from it and they're going to learn from it.
0: Well, we've talked about this many times on the podcast as far as like, you know, our jobs as parents is to expose our kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that as parents, we should be able to know of like, uh, okay, that's enough, you know, or like I'm going to step in now right, and right. help. You know, sometimes you let it go too far. Sometimes you don't go let it go far enough, you know, and that's, yeah. that's just parenting. You make mistakes. You right. Know? you know, and well, and so
1: it occurred to me when I said, you want to expose them to stress. And I did make the point earlier that I feel like we're exposing them to too much stress with these COVID rules. Mm. Um, And maybe that's why I find it hard to swallow that we're not setting criteria for which it changes. Mm -hmm. And we're not, and we're not sort of taking it in and saying, okay, are they too, too stressed? Mm -hmm. Is the risk of that, outweighing the benefit and saying, okay, that was too much, mm-hmm. you know, because you, I think you could make a case that all of this that we're asking our children to do. Yeah. means like, yes, they're resilient. We already made that point, And maybe this, there will be good that comes from this. Totally. You know, <clears throat> I, I think that's a fair case to make. Mm-hmm. I just don't see us evaluating the other side of it.
0: Well, I mean, again, I think I, I, again, this is another inversion or part of the same inversion of adults, being adults and taking responsibility, you know, um, like it's, it's almost easier to quote unquote play it safe because if you are on the side of safety, then you really can't be faulted because you are trying to be safe. It doesn't matter what the negative consequences of, of you being trying to be too safe, that it's, that it's, it's, it's seen as more righteous, you Mm -hmm. know, to be, on the safe of protection, you know, um, uh, but there's a consequences of the overprotected son, the overprotected daughter, you yeah. know, uh, is that they don't, they don't grow up. They don't learn to, to, uh, to, um, to wrestle with the unknown with, with chaos, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just, it's just, it's hard. Cause like, again, uh, I think I'm making this a little bit too complicated because, you know, when we do look at the data and the effects on kids, you know, it's like because I think people will uh, then jump to like, okay, well, but the kids go home to their parents, to their grandparents, to their you know the somebody who's immunocompromised, and so like, it's like it's always jumping to something else. But again, we're asking our kids to sacrifice in a way that is most likely not healthy for them. Yeah, in their in their formative years, you know, right. Well, most likely, how do we know
1: we don't we don't because we 're not talking about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I see a few parents here and there upset about it, you know, but i don't see widespread conversation about you know what are the ramifications of what we 're asking our children to do, positive or negative what you know what are they and I, and any time I do see the conversation come up, it's surrounded with with so much um <laughs> so much kicking and screaming from Mm -hmm. different, different people and sides. It's like any institution can barely bear it. And they're just going to say, you know what? We're not having the discussion. We're just doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Head down, power through. It goes back to our last episode. You know what? Just don't ask questions. Mm -hmm. Don't think too much about it. That's going to be too difficult. Mm -hmm. This is what we're doing. And we're doing it with the best intentions. Just know that.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It's funny. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, so, um, oh shoot. Rage Against Machine. Oh, what was the other band? I think I sent you that article. You were referring to, so you and I were talking about. <laughs> okay. This is just irony. I mean, again, you have to give us a little bit of leeway here because like, uh, we're, we're also working through these things and, and it seems to, Lead to like we're kind of being excessive in our space. Oh, yeah. Uh, what wasn't that one? But it was, uh, oh, it wasn't. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, Eric Clapton is calling out the system for these insane mandates and rage and rage against the machine (laughs) to set the headline Coachella with its vaccine requirements. So, it's like, it's just this irony of like, you know, here's. Here's Rage Against the Machine who's like, you know, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. I mean, I grew up with that and I love, uh-huh. I loved rage, uh-huh. you know, it's like, and then sort of like, I, again, whether this is right or wrong is not really the point, but it's just, the irony of it is, is sort of like this government mandates of, you know, are not mandates, but suggestions of vaccine and here's Rage Against the Machine who's Basically acquiescing to the machine, they've become the machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they become yeah, yeah. the machine. Whereas you've got Eric Clapton, uh-huh. who's now taking up, you know, and in, in
1: he's like seventy six or seventy eight or something, mm. taking up the sort of like anti-establishment um,
0: establishment, establishment <laughs> position. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I totally, I totally understand. You can you you can argue about how like well he's being responsible and that kind of stuff, but. I don't know. I mean, if the irony's not lost on you, then I, I can't help you on that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he was like, so against everything like government and like, mm-hmm. yeah, don't tell me what to fucking do. You know, that it's was like, a vibe, you know? Oh, and I love that vibe. Yeah. Like, it it like resonated with me. Right. It comes back to something that you said is like, is like, like we need political music again. Yeah. Like not like there, there's a pseudo political music right now.
1: Well, we need, we need dissent in the arts, I Mm -hmm. think is how I would say it now. It's conformity. That's what what political museum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. All of our, actually that's another strange, okay. Strange inversion. Strange inversion. I have been lamenting lately the fact that almost all the musicians that I like and love have gone woke Mm -hmm. and they're just harassing people via their social media networks to think the right things and do the right things. Mm -hmm. I think, what the hell is this? Our artists are supposed to want be the ones that say, um, you know, oh, (laughs) go against the establishment, smoke cigarettes, yeah, you know, smoke weed, yeah, do drop acid, right? Totally. (laughs) (laughs) So this is funny. Um, I'm going to bring you know who uh, Lori Lori Gallardo is. Mm -hmm. She's a popular DJ at KUT. Um, I like her quite a lot, but it's funny. She has for years ended all of her little segments in between songs with this tagline, which is, please, whatever you do, don't behave. And that was like, that's mm. that's the sentiment, right? That we're talking yeah. about. And mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. But lately, and actually my youngest daughter, we're in the car and I've always got KUT on and um, Lori Gardo is always... DJing right around the time I pick her up, mm-hmm. and she has now added something to her attack line, which is, "Please don't forget to bring a mask with you." Oh wow! And my daughter caught it. Oh really? She's yeah. the one that caught it. Yeah, and she was like, "Why does she keep saying every day to bring a mask, and then don't be don't behave?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was I. You know, it's kind of on in the background, and I thought there's that inversion. Mm-hmm. The thing, the thing that she was standing for, has been captured, and this is no diss on on, on Laurie. I mean, it's again, it's something broader that mm-hmm. is th- this idea that has a hold of us. That it's it's everything is inside of it now. It's like an it's like all of our logic, all of our belief, all of our misbehavior and behavior is all. Nested now inside of a, a, a semi-religious ethic, hmm. these are givens. Now the mask is a given. The vaccine is a given. The um, <laughs> even like politics and hmm. which side you're on and what you think, it's all a given. Yeah. Um, or what color you are. It's all. Or a what given. color you are. Mm-hmm. What you think about racism, mm-hmm. I can tell based upon the color of your skin and. Mm-hmm probably your sex and mm-hmm. um yeah so i think we are desperate for some of that sort of like miscreant misbehavior mm-hmm. coming from our arts again yeah to say no
0: it's rock and roll baby this is what we're doing it's punk it's yeah <laughs> yeah where's the punk i don't punks? know much about the punk scene right now yeah. but like it's like Again, it, it, there's a little bit something reckless in those yes. in that in that side of it. It's like, and and that's that's definitely it's it's the messages now from our artists are is conformity, hmm. and again, I can totally hear people say like, well, right now is a different time, and it's like it's safety and blah blah blah. But you don't understand the arts if you're if you're saying that the arts have always been they're saying something that nobody wants to hear that we need to hear and conformity is never the job of arts. Conformity is propaganda.
1: That's all that is. It's It's like like,
0: basically the state telling you what to, what to produce, what your art's about, you know, it's like, well, and it reminds me of of this quote.
1: I think we've said it before and I forget now who said it, but Mm -hmm. where, where responsibility is abdicated opportunity lies. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And so I'm thinking about the arts, and, and I'm thinking about this guy, Tom McDonald.
0: Oh, God, don't bring him up. Oh, oh I have to, shit. though.
1: I have to. It's astounding. you got to caveat that, because he's way over the top. Oh, way over the top. But he is saying all of the things that no one else is saying. Mm-hmm. And and he is getting a tremendous amount of traffic.
0: That's hilarious. I, 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 mean, I, millions, can't even, I can't believe you brought him up on that. Well, it's worth talking about. I totally know. I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Because...
1: It isn't that he's saying the right things no. or the wrong things. I'm making no judgment or, or, or claim about that. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is he's saying things that no one else is willing to say. That's true. And he's saying it in an incredibly... Uh, antagonistic Antagonist. Well, mm-hmm. it's like this misbehavior idea that comes from the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, he's saying it in that way. Yeah. And, and he's way over the top. And it's, it's half hilarious, half offensive, mm-hmm. half... Like, you don't know what to make of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching him release music videos and getting millions of views within hours. Mm -hmm. Like, there is opportunity if you're willing to say something that no one else is willing to say. And because... He's kind of like the jester, too. Exactly. He's exactly the jester. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good sign. Mm -hmm. Because if he's the jester... Then someone else now has the opportunity to come along and refine that mm-hmm. into something more, um, into something more elegant, mm-hmm. something more articulate, something more empathetic, something more, in some sense, you know, accessible and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good sign. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like you remember the beginning of the pandemic. It's like it was all quiet. <laughs> There's no road noise. Yeah, totally. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing like people like there's dolphins in the canals, and then that turns into the meme. It's like nature is healing, and, <laughs> you know, all of this. And I saw the Tom McDonald, and I thought, in some way, okay, th- that's evidence of healing. <laughs> Something's breaking through. Some some wound is like flushing itself out here, and uh-huh. we can start to to get to something we can start expressing something that hasn't been expressed. He's definitely the pus in a wound. Yeah. (laughs) He even kind of looks
0: like it. You got to look this guy up. It's, (laughs) it's, it's it's a a mind trigger warning. He's (laughs) offensive. (laughs) Seriously. But as a jester, he can only, he can say things to the King that nobody else can. Right. And that's, that's the, that's the amazing thing about a jester is like, Mm -hmm. um, might not be right but he brings things out into the open to talk about. He's absurd. He's absurd, yeah. No one else is allowed to be absurd. He's absurd. Mm-hmm. And there's new information that moves through that. Yeah. Oh, man. It's like when I think of like how over the top he is, it's like it's like I don't think people are really ready to address address these things, you know, as far as like we've gotten so gotten so almost sensitized instead of desensitized you know i feel like that was the problem we we had up to this time Is like is like all these things were desensitizing us to the world around us and now we're like overly um reactionary to everything you know right if you don't say the right words if you don't say the right wear the right t-shirt if you don't follow these mandates you know then everyone's going to die. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Or you're a bigot or a transphobe or a, right. whatever it might be. It's like, yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> Man, that's uh, a, <laughs> we kind of ran all, all over the place here. Well, let's wrap it up. Let's do, I, I'm really, this has been an interesting, I think we kind of hit a lot of third rails in this one. Last one too. Last one too. Yeah uh but it's, it's as far as exploring and i think that's i mean we're kind of doing this out loud for you guys and we're i mean we're working through these things and i don't know it's it's good to be able to to sit down with other people that you know and can trust and talk about stuff and not have to follow scripts you know again where do the artists come from what makes an artist stand up, you know, like the artists of the sixties and seventies that were standing up against, you know, racism, actual racism, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there were some really beautiful things that came out of that, you know, because the institutions and the systems were, were kind of rotting, you know, and it's like, and we're kind of seeing that again, and almost an inversion Mm -hmm. (laughs) of Mm -hmm. the sixties and Mm seventies, you know, it's like, which is really crazy. It's like, we're almost reverting right back to racism and you know, it's like, well, I suppose it's kind of like fashion, you know, we
1: recycle it every 25 years. Uh, All the kids at my daughter's middle school are dressing like the movie Clueless now, (laughs) you know, maybe there's just this longer arc that happens in terms of, um, the stability of the hierarchies of our societies that also just recycles. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Well, this is also a call to all the art- artists out there, and yeah, philosophers. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, if if you, you guys have, are the leaders. If you have something to
1: say, mm-hmm. say it. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're the only ones who can.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're the only ones who can say the unsayable. That's what the art is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually like revolutions and stuff like that start with the arts. Mm-hmm. It's, they're, they're speaking something that's unintelligible it's kind of in our unconscious, our collective unconscious as a, as a people. Yeah. And I would say right now we're, we're asleep, Hmm. you know? uh, Yeah. A bit zombie-like. Zombie-like, yeah. Androids. (laughs) 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 Nodes. (laughs) It's just Roombas bouncing around (laughs) things. Yeah. We need some people to like bring some life into us actually that's been a this is
1: at least the third time we've ended the podcast with a call to artists oh interesting yeah. so m- maybe we need to articulate that better
0: that may be good like we that. keep running up against that
1: yeah
0: all right it's only the last time first time we mentioned Roomba so I yeah thought, that's, that's true. True what you were talking about <laughs> <laughs> all yeah.
1: right well thanks for being with us tonight yeah guys um,
0: remember give us a give us a, a dm or something like that ask us a question or tell something you liked yeah uh, we'd love your feedback We want to hear from you totally yeah all right see you guys cheers bye